Welcome to the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically within Southeast Asia. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Welcome to another episode of the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast. Gwen here, and today I have a very special guest. I am with Lynette Lee, and she is the CEO of the Financial Planning Association of Malaysia. So, Lynette, thank you so much for uh, being in the show today. Thank you, Gwen, and thank you for the invitation. Um, greetings to everyone from around the world, I would say, because I understand from Gwen, some of you come as far as Dubai. And uh, I hope you are having a fantastic Friday. Today, uh, we are going to talk about the evolution of uh, financial planning in Malaysia. Mm, yes, definitely. So, But before, uh, before we get into that, um, mm. Lynette, I would like to your the audience to get to know you more. So I guess my first question for you is, how did you get into the financial advice industry? I started uh, it, being a tight agent in unit trust, um, made all the wrong moves. They, they, I was encouraged to become a financial planner so that I can earn my own commission, which is not a good move because um, I realized that to be to to be able to to do well in unit trust, you need to have the competency. So, um, and you're not a very good uh, consultant to yourself. So, so I don't encourage people to do that. I would say it's better that yeah. you get your own, get a unit trust consultant or if like, just like in financial planning, you can sign blindside yourself. It's better to get a second opinion from another financial planner. I do that too. So anyway, as my, my, I started in financial planning. Uh, I started in the financial industry by being a tight agent and I enjoyed what I did. Um, I am quite a compliant person, so I followed almost everything, but um, there were things, uh, habits that I picked up, which I felt today, looking back, uh, I, it could have been better. So um, along the way, what I did was, um, as I served my clients, I find that they had a wider scope of needs. And I actually worked with insurance agent to recommend uh, insurance. I did pick up a license for myself because um my agreement with my principal says that I cannot take another uh, license without an approval uh, while I'm holding my unit trust um, uh, agreement. So that's how I started. And then after that, um, I started adding on uh, financial products, which my client requested. The reason why they asked me to help them to source is because they didn't want to uh, talk to anyone else. Their personal informations are all with me. And it's a natural progression into financial planning because when you start um, um, marketing or rather picking up products for them, one fine day, I just realized that, hey, you know, how does this gel together? How do the pieces of the puzzle fit together? And that's when I took up the financial planning uh, certification, which is the CFP program. Um uh, which was very big in Malaysia back then and it, was, it had global recognition and that's why I picked it up. Uh, I, I have no regrets because um, 
not only did it benefit my clients back then, it also benefited me personally because today I'm debt free and I'm so happy being debt free. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So, uh, I wanted to help more people to have this realization. So, um, I moved into financial planning. Then eventually I headed a financial planning division of a financial planning firm, a boutique firm. And when, uh, and I liked it because I was able to help people on a company basis, the planners that were onboarded by the company. Uh, eventually there was a vacancy in financial, in FPM, Financial Planning Association of Malaysia. And I say, Hey, why not? You know, it's a natural progression from a company to nationwide, uh, to help more people. (laughs) (laughs) But it opened up a whole new world to me. And that's where I am now today. Yes. Uh, so is that, am I correct, seven years in uh, FPAM? Uh, coming to eight by January next oh, year. <laughs> amazing. So eight years. Oh, my gosh. And so so you started in 2014. How did the financial planning industry grow from when you started to, to now? Okay, so 2014, begin mode, uh, because I joined in January, yeah. <laughs> not end mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, um, by the time I joined in 2014, um, we had two regulators back then already. Uh, one was a Securities Commission uh, issuing license for financial planning and the Central Bank of Malaysia issuing uh, approving representative for financial advice. So, uh, what happened then uh, in 2014 when I joined, uh, Securities Commission recognized the CFP certification program and the Islamic Financial Planning Certific- uh, Planner Certification Program uh, for licensing. Whereas uh, the bank, the Garrett, the central bank, recognized uh, fine, uh, uh, they call it registered financial planner, it's a local uh, uh, certification, as well as the Sharia uh, registered financial planner certification for FA. Along the way, um, I can't remember which year, but they decided uh, to harmonize the recognition of uh, qualification, professional qualification. So it made life easier. means if you have any of these four, uh, oh, and one more, a very, very um, long time, the uh, CHFC, Chartered Financial Consultant from the insurance industry, that one too. So with these five certifications, if you apply with either the central bank or with the Securities Commission, you can get uh, yourself uh, licensed as a financial planner or approved as a financial advisor rep. So you are going to ask me, hey, Leonard, what's the difference? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I think I've been corrected a bunch of times with this. Uh, financial advisors only go through, um, can only provide insurance advice. Is that it? And, in Malaysia. Um, yeah. And Yes, in Malaysia. And financial planners can do the, like the whole life financial planning, can offer different products from different um, companies and all that stuff. Mm. Let's yeah. go a little deeper into that. Uh, yes, please. Yes. Okay, so a financial planner, when you have a license in financial planning in Malaysia, you could actually draw up a financial plan, be a comprehensive or a modular plan. And if you never implemented uh, any products, you just make recommendation in the plan, you can charge a fee and sign off the plan. 
Whereas if you have a, 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 a FA, you're approved as a financial advisor rep, um, you can't. You can't charge yeah. fees. And you normally um, bundle products uh, based on clients' needs, uh, goal-based rec- uh, advice, and you give a recommendation and it follows by product. So if you ask me whether what is the difference, well, uh, financial planner does plans plus they uh, recommend plus they implement which is what advisors do. So it's a little bit ex- uh, it's extended. Mm, it's, yes, it's, kind, yes. it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, from cradle to grave. <laughs> yes. So it's, um, it, it has more impact in, in a person's um, financial life and for their lives in general to have a financial planner um, because they can provide all types of person, uh, financial advice. Yes, a holistic yes. financial advice. Yes. Yes, and is is while the numbers of planners, people who do actual planning, may uh, is growing, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, at the moment there are more advisors than there are planners. However, the planners they do more than that. They are not about crunching numbers and analyzing your financial situation and telling you what to do. They actually walk you through your life, your dreams and your goals, and on top of that. Um, they, they, they do counsel, uh, their clients. Yeah. And, and they are also able to help their clients, re- uh, uh, crystallize their thoughts and prioritize their goals. So this is where, um, this is extended, uh, or the comprehensive service that a financial planner gives. Um, and I'm not saying that, uh, one is better than the other. There's totally nothing wrong if you say, no, I'm not interested in doing the planning. I'm only interested in doing the advice. It's perfectly okay. More yeah. importantly is how you, you work and how professional you are in conducting yourself. Yes, that's true. Um, uh-huh. because you are, um, bringing the name of the financial um, advice industry in general, um, with you at all times, right? Exactly. So that, 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 that was, uh, this is why, uh, we, we, we set out to have clarity and we're happy to say that even the financial planning standards board, the owner of the CFP mark outside of the US, uh, they are also encouraging, uh, the 26 territories. Uh, affiliate members to also uh, consider looking at it. Although countries who are entrenched uh, with the term financial advisors, it's a little bit trickier to make that change. But um, uh, newer uh, organizations, that uh, territories that just come up, they're actually encouraging them to make a differentiation. Because if not, if we ourselves as financial planning professionals are not clear how are we going to give clarity to the public to our people so um so th- that's when in 2014 when i joined uh we started having clarity of roles definitions and then the the other thing that came in was the remuneration fees or commission now if you look at the uh, take two step back and look at the world uh people in uk um countries like uk uh, India, as well as Australia, they are fee based. Yes, yes. And and uh, in US, the Philippines. Uh huh. Philippines. Yes. What is it like? It's more on commission based. Yes. Okay, we started commission based. Uh, US is a hybrid, and Malaysia started having a hybrid, in the sense that uh, there are fees and there are commission. 
One of the questions uh, that was raised by the regulator uh, during our dialogue sessions is, should we be moving towards fees? And, and my answer was that it depends on what we want to see. Um, because if you were to chop off commission, you would definitely see a huge drop in the number of people. People who don't want to do planning, they will drop off. And the experience from Australia is no one wanted to serve clients. There's no one to serve clients because uh, there are no, no commission. Yeah. And people did not want to register as a, as a uh, advisor. So India can afford to do that because the population is large and they have a, <laughs> the, the, there are quite, even though the larger has dropped off, but the ones that remaining were able to continue to serve the community. So, my short answer to regulators is why don't we do a transition? Meaning that instead of taking go, go to cold turkey and do that, why don't we, we do it step by step? First, we educate and then after that, we encourage. Then later on, uh, uh the rule, the, the, the regulation can come in. So, um, I think they, they kind of like that idea. Um, and, and that's why if you look from 2017 onwards, we had joined Action Plan. Actually, uh, I'd like to pause here for a moment and acknowledge uh, Securities Commission as well as Bank Negara because they, they actually consult us when they want to make changes, the industry players. And it helps because uh, then there is a, a dialogue and there is feedback. Yeah. That's true because you guys are the ones who are really like on the ground listening to um, to what's happening in the industry. Uh, and there are two ways to look at it. One is we can give uh, feedback and the regulators can decide how to move forward. Um, however, if there are, there will always be some people who are resistant to change and they will say, no, this, this holds, this is how it should be. But there will be people who will be pushing to move forward. So it depends yeah. on which voice is louder. <laughs> yes, that is true. That's true for, for all sorts of things, right? Yes. So in tw- from 2017 to 2019, the Securities Commission, uh, SE as I call it for short, uh, they led a joint action plan uh, with, for these three years for which we roll out two main uh, initiatives. One was um, more of empowering consumers and uh, the second, so that is uh, for the public at large and to educate them about financial planning as well as also the importance of financial literacy and and how financial planning can uh, uh, help them in their lives. And the other area was raising the bar, bar of financial planning profession. So within those two initiatives, one of the uh, main uh, uh, activity that was very significant was the start of what we call a fin plan for you. This is a one-to-one public consultation. Now, this one uh, is initiated by uh, Securities Commission during the uh, they call it uh, Investmart Fest. This one is aligned with the World Investor Week by IOSCO. So, so it was very interesting. Uh, we to showcase the 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 skills of the financial pl- competency of financial planners. We had uh we we had 
that time it was on ground, we had financial planners. They were all together, 200 over financial planners. Uh, they took turns to sit at the table and and offer their ser- complimentary services one hour per public to come and talk about their personal finances. No products, um, no pushing products, no pushing com- uh, services. Just pure talking about the uh, the, the public's uh, uh, financial situation. So that was fantastic. I I think yeah, my it's such a great off. initiative. <laughs> yes. So that one uh, uh started and uh, and it's, we're doing it every year since then. It also coincided with um World Financial Planning Day, which is the first uh Wednesday in October every yeah. year. So. We're planning for next year. <laughs> yes, um, I've, I've, I've. Um, the first time that I saw that was actually a, a post from a licensed financial planner in Malaysia, um, Kevin Neo's post. Um, he made a month-long post starting in the financial planning day of October. So that was very interesting as well. Kevin has been Kevin one Neo, of the yes. yes, one of the most hardworking. Uh, yes. member that we have yes yes um, he'll do talks he'll do webinars they do podcasts uh we, we we are in the midst of developing a employee financial wellness uh um workshop together with bfm our uh, premier radio station we have actually rolled it out uh this is a series of uh, uh financial planning workshops for uh, employees uh this because we wanted to empower more public. So we are getting companies to pay for their uh, staff to come and learn about personal finances. So that, yeah, that one we are in the midst of uh, um, uh, approaching more companies to take it up. So that, yeah. let me put that aside. Maybe we can talk another day just about yeah. um, financial that's literacy. Yeah, that's very interesting. But yes, yes, do go on. Yeah, so so that was between 2017 and 2019. We had that. Uh, we also had the a sponsorship program to certify more uh, people to do financial planning. Because uh, if you look at Malaysia currently, we have about licensed financial planners. We have about thousand one uh, as of end of 2020. If I do the numbers based on the population that we have, and yeah. if I look at just um people in the median income group. My personal opinion is that we would probably need about 60 over 1,000 licensed financial planners. And hey, it's a sunrise industry. I'm so excited. Yes, yes definitely. Yes. So these are the group of people who, uh, who would benefit from some form of advice or planning uh, so that they can live better lives. And nothing works well as when a country's population is financially stable. It will help the economy. It will help the country. 100%. Yes, that is so true. And that's why I've always been an advocate for financial planning because it benefits everyone, uh, right? So I, I think I mentioned this before offline, um, before we recorded the podcast, that yes, it definitely benefits everyone so there's still a lot more slots to go right so between and and yes being a sunrise industry it's it is definitely exciting times yes i i look forward to the day when parents will tell the children 
why don't you become a financial planner? (laughs) (laughs) One of the most coveted. (laughs) Yes, Um, none of us started life saying that we want to be lawyers, doctors, accountants, but we never said we wanted to be a financial planner. Well, that should change. I think that should change. You touch people's life positively. You 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 touch your own life, and you make and you are financially more stable. You help more people. I think that's true. Mm, it's a it's a very noble profession. I'm looking forward to my retirement, and then I'm <laughs> going to go take license and practice again. <laughs> practice again! Wow, that's amazing. So yes, and it's definitely so. That's so true because this. Um, this career isn't just for the for young people, right? Like unlike some um, careers that we really need to be um, a lot younger in order to practice well. But here, it's it's open to any age, um, just as long as you have the passion for it, uh, the passion to help people with their finances and their lives. Yes, you need passion, you need competency, you need experience. And if you put that all together, that's your, that's your what? And oh, and one more professionalism. Yeah. That is the secret recipe to being a successful financial planner. So, um, moving on to what happens in 2020 to 2022. Okay. So by 2019, we have already completed, uh, the three year action plan, which is the joint action plan. Uh, th- then we came to the second edition of uh, the SC led joint action plan. And for this one, uh, in 2020, uh, there were another two initiatives that we're looking at. One was expansion of financial planning license, and the other one was upholding professional standards. And the outcome from this one is that now uh, people with financial planning license, they do not have to take any more license. They just need to uh, add on their competency, taking certain exams that's required by the regulators, and you can expand to recommend stocks as well as uh, bonds, so which is good, which means you do not have to hold too many licenses. That's one part. That one was completed in October 2020. And in 2021, uh, we also completed two out of the three areas uh, and the second in, of the second initiative in terms of professional standards. We have four financial planning associations and these four associations um, harmonize our code of ethics as well as our best practices. And we came up with a set just for licensed financial planners. We presented it to our regulator who accepted it. And we are we have rolled it out to all the four associations members for those who are licensed. Um, one more area which takes a bit more time to develop is the firm operating standards. And I understand that it's not just in Malaysia, but uh, in uh, other countries as well, the common things that we see is um, so-called pinching uh, staff, uh, pinching talents, and uh, firms not happy with their planners, planners not happy with their firms. So we, we thought that if there's a well-thought-out uh, basic firm operating standards, this would help to eliminate all of this because then there'll be proper structure processes in place. So yeah. this this one we 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 had to pull um, import talents. Uh, we got this lady who is Hannah. She is from Australia. Uh, she used to be a financial advisor, but now she's focused on um, compliance. 
So she uh, agreed to volunteer to help us because uh, while she is in Australia, but she's also a Malaysian. Ah, nice. So she already has the knowledge that she got from the Australian financial yes. advice. And yes, yeah. yes. So so we told her we want to at least have a basic standards for us to be able to help so that anyone who takes up the financial planning license with the regulator, they know how to structure their, com- their company well so that they are able to, to serve their planners better. And because planners here currently are being uh, are on contract, they are not employed yet. Although there are some companies who have started employing. Unlike India, India actually hire their planners. And so does some countries like in Australia. I yeah. hope to see yeah, I hope to see people actually hiring financial planners in Malaysia. Mm. More, yeah. more of them. Yeah, so, so that it becomes like um uh a more stable job for, for people and more people would like to join in and become financial planners as well. Yes. They have a steady source of income, they can focus on their clients. And then they could get performance bonus. I think that, that would be good. <laughs> that would be but, good. That would be good. Mm, uh, but that needs a lot of work. It, uh, we, we still have uh, some hard work along the way, but I believe it's worth it. I think it's worth it. So yes. another piece of good news in uh, 2021 is uh, on the 29th of September, Securities Commission announced that there's going to be consolidation of licenses for financial planners and financial advisors, which means because currently when you want to practice uh, uh, in Malaysia, that is very common for people to hold two licenses yeah. because one is uh, so that you can also recommend and, in, and implement insurance. The, others, the other one is to do planning as well as capital market products. So if with this, if, there's a, if there is a consolidation, you only need one license. But we are in a very preliminary stages. Uh, the two regulators uh, are discussing it and everyone is holding their breath, waiting to hear what's going to come out from it. Another exciting development in financial planning. Yes, and hopefully all of these um, all of these changes uh, would help encourage people to to yes again become financial planners and for existing financial planners to make their jobs easier so that they can focus on their clients yes that's right they don't have to worry about fulfilling cpd points here and there (laughs) and then paying licenses here and there renewal of license is just one rather than multiple yeah so the other thing i just want to touch very briefly on Mm. is the fact that we have four financial planning associations in Malaysia mm, yeah. and people asking why and how are, how, how do, are they all positioned. Uh, I used to scratch my head when I first started, then now I understand better. So just take two steps back and just look. Basically, uh, in most countries, there will always be two. Why two? One is normally a certifying body. The other one is a membership body. So... The certifying body is association that offers the professional qualifications. The um, the membership body is the one that uh, helps the the people, the financial planners, uh, to practice. So in Malaysia, uh, we have four. Is because uh, insurance has been in Malaysia long, long before financial planning. So they used to have one certifying body, which does the as I said earlier, the CHFC. Um, however, sometime in 2007, uh, they stopped 
because uh, Malaysian government had a local, which is the RFP. So because of that, the CHFC do not exist in Malaysia anymore. But uh, what the association did, they reinvent themselves and in 2008, they renamed themselves uh, Malaysian Financial Planners and Advisors Association. Um, they don't do certification. Uh, what they focus on is financial planning practice management. So it is a membership body that focus and help uh, the planners and advisors in financial plan planning practice management. Mm. Now, All right. FM came in in 1999 and at that time we brought in a CFP and we worked with the local uh, um, body which is IPFIM Institute of Banking and Finance Malaysia which is supported by the two regulators which is the Central Bank and Securities Commission and uh, our focus is on three pillars as you said so uh, before this uh, podcast Uh, one is on certifications and the administration of it Second is industry development. And when we say industry development as a whole, that's why we work very closely with regulators. And the third one is public financial literacy, which you said that you like that portion of it. Yes, yes, definitely. Then we have Malaysian Financial Planning Council. This is the body that looks after the local certification, which is the RFP and the Sharia RFP. Uh, For a while, people thought that we were competitors. In a way, we are, and yet we are not. Because uh, we do recognize an MFPC uh, qualification as a pathway to the CFP program. So we do give them a two-module exemption if they have the uh, MFPC certification, uh, the RFP certification. So last but not least, uh, uh, in 2011, the Association of Financial Advisors was formed. Uh, They they support the financial advisors. or rather they support firms, financial advisory firms. They represent financial advisors. And uh, when when they approach uh, regulators and stakeholders. So in a way, we all play our, our different roles. And that's why there are four associations in Malaysia. Yeah. So I actually, I'm, I'm one of those people who have also scratched their heads um, when I first um, actually interviewed my first Malaysian financial planner here in the show because um, he, I think my first guest was Kevin. So Kevin was my first guest to the show and he did mention um, all these, um, the Names. regulators. Yes. And it's like, Hmm, I need to research this more. So it's really great that you did um, expound on these in a more um, in, in an easier to digest fashion because um, other countries will be listening to this as well. And it would be good to understand how uh, the financial planning industry works in in say here in in Malaysia. So yes, that, that's actually very interesting. And I guess. Um, oh, I had a, a second question for you. Um, so now that we know more about um, the financial planning industry, I guess I'd, my, a different question would be like, how does my uh, Malaysian financial planners actually, uh, or what are their different approaches in helping their clients? Hmm. Okay. Well, um, different Financial planning firms have got different models. The most common, you would see them pick a particular area and they move from that. And I'll give you an example. For example, if, um, and predominantly uh, 
for firm owners who come from an insurance background, then they will come from the protection aspect of financial planning. Mm-hmm. And from there, they, then they will, uh, they, will, they will review the client's uh, protection needs and all that. And then they will start introducing, okay, you know, protection is important, but why is it important? How it, it fits into the whole uh, financial planning puzzle? And what are the other areas you need to look at? Whereas it's very common to see those who come from either unit trust or an investment angle. They'll talk about investment, how important investment is. But yeah. with investment alone itself, it's not good enough. You need to hinge your investment to a goal that you want. And then you need to do the protection part. And also you need to do the exit planning because at the end of the day, if anything happens to you, what is going to happen to the investment that you have? Because your protection part would have covered uh, would have actually uh, ensured that, you know, whatever that, that you are unable to fulfill, it would have been fulfilled. But where is it going to go? How is it going to go? Yeah. And then ta- mm, tax planning comes in. So we do see um, accounting, for, uh, accounting firm back financial planning firms coming from a taxation and accounting angle as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so I actually interviewed one recently, um, KR mm-hmm. Boltz. So it was very, um, our podcast was also an eye-opening because I actually never thought about <laughs> taxation and tax planning too. Ah, KP Boss, is it? You spoke yes, to? Yes, KP Boss. Uh, yes. yes, he 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 was our board member uh, in the earlier years. Yes, mm, yes he's very good. In, in fact, he, he, he is... Uh, one of our advocators for uh, financial literacy to the public. Mm. Mm. Yes, definitely. He um, He's very passionate about it and um, what financial planners can actually do for, for people and for the industry and what um, and the future as well. So we talked about it in a podcast. So that was also very interesting. But, but yes, Lynette, please do go on um, what you talked about. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we, uh, what we, what did we do? One of the things that, um, I felt was important and thank, uh, and the board also supported the, the, uh, the initiative is we said that we need to strengthen, uh, the, the financial planning profession. We also need to educate, uh, the public in regards to financial planning. So mm-hmm. one of the, in early 2014, we came up with a little booklet on how financial planning uh, is financial planning for you and in it because there are a lot of other um, financial professionals in the market there's tight agents uh, there are advisors there are relationship managers there are financial planners there are financial advisor representative so so we had this little booklet yeah which uh, which uh, gave uh, a snapshot of the different financial professionals and and the role that they play and who they regulate and represent. Uh, for the public, so that they have some clarity. Oh, that's wonderful! And and how has that translated now? Like, what was the effect for that project? Well, uh, for starters, we actually had a lot of financial planners who actually made use of this to to go out and talk to their their clients, which is exactly what we want them to do. Because uh, to us, is uh, education is everything, and they were very good because then they tell their clients once you are clear. Uh, please pass the booklet to the next person. <laughs> mm, that's good. That's good. So, um, and yes, because I think one of the things that 
have hindered, um, as what I can see here in the Philippines, have hindered people from reaching out to financial planners is they're actually intimidated by financial planners in the first place because they thought that they... Yes, they sell products and that they are intimidated by the 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 fees that they may charge. So mm-hmm. they don't know um they won't ask. Um they won't even ask because they thought that uh oh, financial planners are just for the rich people. We can't afford their fees. Um which is I think very unfortunate. So being able to um go out there and educate people what financial planners can actually do um, and even like how they charge is very beneficial and we need everyone of the listeners out there to say the same thing as we do so that we are all on the same page ah yes yeah and this is where i always position because once upon a time i used to hold license and i'm dying to get back to holding a license (laughs) (laughs) i always uh explain that um those who are a lower income group, they need basic money management, budgeting, and debt management. This is an area which they need a lot of help. Yes. The super rich uh, or the, the high net worth and, and ultra high net worth clients, they don't need financial planning because they have all this money. What do they need? They need wealth management. They need wealth planning. They need succession planning. And for those who have businesses, um, they need, um, they will probably need family office, family governance. So it is actually the median income that need the financial planning more. And the market is normally bigger in the median income group. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, and I just want to include this in, in the podcast because if there are um, non-financial planners listening to this, I actually listened to one of your previous podcasts. Um, it's from Podcat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but yes. you talked about financial literacy there. Um, and then you talked about it in a very simple manner. And I actually shared this to some of my friends um, so I'm not, so, because I still have um, – I'm a financial advocate who still has friends who does not believe in financial advice. So um, I've sent it to them actually to um, help them understand the beauty of financial uh, planning and how to start. So yes, I definitely agree that there are different categories of people um, that need different types of help. Oh, wow. Ben, I didn't know that you the podcast was done years ago. Yeah, uh, and it's still um, it's still like it has evergreen valid? content. Yeah, it's still violent until today. So, have you interviewed Stephen, Steve Young? <laughs> Not yet. Yes, so I I will. I will look that up. So I'll look him up. Yes, but Please. um, yeah, I, I'll I'll also for the for the listeners here in the podcast, I will link to the podcast episode that I mentioned in the podcast description, so you can also check it out. Uh, it's, it's really, really heartening to know that it has reached out to people and made a difference. I must thank you, Gwen. Really appreciate that. Uh, no problem. So it's actually really, um, it's always a great feeling for me to um, to know that there are a lot of people there uh, out there who care so much about um, the financial well-being of other people. So it starts with these podcasts. It starts mm-hmm. with you um, being passionate about 
what you do that you create all of these things and take these initiatives for financial planners in order for them to help their clients and other people as well. Very good. Uh, just yeah. one, can I, do I have time for just one last bit of survey of the um, consumer survey? Oh, no problem. Take your time. Um, please let us know. All right. Uh, we started one in 2015. This one uh, was initiated by Financial Planning Standards Board and uh, Malaysia had our own set of questions to ask. But the outcome in 2015 came as uh, we asked consumers to, uh, the, or rather the public to tell us what are the top five uh, financial planning services of interest to them. And mm. back in 2015, the top one was retirement planning. The second one was investment planning. Third was budgeting, cash management, and debt management, all in one. Uh, fourth, uh, insurance services and planning. Last but not least was to complete a financial planning roadmap. Now, in 20, um, 2018, uh, under the joint action plan, remember the first joint action plan by uh, Securities Commission? Yep. We re kind of repeated this study, but we couldn't yeah. get back. We had about 1,000 over uh, respondents. We couldn't get back the same people because uh, we, uh, the, the, the research company, they did not want to do for us in Malaysia. So we did it on our own, but we still had 1,000 over respondents. Uh, the demography was younger than the, uh, the one in 2015. So we repeated that. And in 2018, we found things have changed a little. The, the top uh, number one rank of financial planning service that they wanted was debt management and building oh. a emergency fund. Does that, is that because of the demographic, you think, or because of the times? I think there are two compo key components that we are looking at. One is uh, demography. And second, because from 2015 to 2018, uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, financial education initiatives uh, done by almost many quarters, not just FPM, but a lot of other organizations as well, which is a much, much, much welcome one. And because of that, that's why we see a progression. And the progression is that people are talking about budget, cash flow, debt management coming to the fore, to the forefront. And uh, financial planning came out third from the fifth position. That's good. Uh, followed by, by followed by protection planning, and I I I I felt that to to uh, to me, I see this as a progression, and perhaps um, I think another one or two more years, we should run another round of uh, survey to find out. Ah uh, yes, I actually I was going to ask if this was run, if this survey was run. Any time last year during the pandemic, if the if the pandemic has caused um, a lot of change in how people think about their finances, but it would also be a really good idea to run it now that um, we're in the recovery phase. Yes, uh, because I I would say uh, number one, we were all everyone was scrambling to to manage the pandemic, so. Uh, not much time, and I don't see a significance because you know why? Um, pandemics don't happen every time, so it may not the uh, the outcome may not be significant. Yeah. It will be significant to see what happens during a pandemic. Yes, but if we want to do a tracking, it will be more significant to track after that 
and see what changed when a pandemic happens. Yes, um, yes, and that's very interesting because I know that there was a lot of um, there were there was a big shift in the priorities that people had um, in the wake of the pandemic. So yes, I, I believe that would be very interesting to see if there's a difference or if it's still the same, if it's still debt management that's number one on the list. Don't be surprised it still stays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but the, the pandemic changed one thing, the, the income classification. Uh, pre-pandemic level for Malaysia, we had uh, the, the lower income group as 40%, middle income group as uh, another 40%, and the upper, upper income group as 20 But putting a putting, uh, finger to the pulse, uh, we sense, and also through speaking with um, uh, stakeholders, we, we have that feeling that uh, the lower income group has gone on to 50% rather than 40 because of the pandemic. And surprises of all surprises, the top uh, upper uh, top income group from twenty increased to thirty. Ah, oh, yes, that's very interesting because we did feel that here in the Philippines too. Too, I feel like yes, a lot of people may have uh, unfortunately um, been struggling really hard during the pandemic. That there are a lot of people as well who have strived because of it. So. Yes. Yeah, and, and it would be interesting to learn why the number changed. Well, uh, for people who have money, they throw into the stock market, they buy, they buy assets. And because that, that nothing is permanent, what goes up, uh, what comes down goes up, what goes up comes down. So as we're going to the recovery stage, if you have picked up assets during the, the down, you know, almost rock yes. bottom, it you was, have big money now. The, the heaven for stock um, <laughs> for those who had money to buy stocks, definitely. Um, exactly. And yeah, yeah, and that so um, yeah, it's not surprised to see from t from the top twenty became the top thirty percent. The squeeze then came is the painful part is the middle income is now only twenty percent. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, because the rest the ten percent went to yeah. Oh, okay. 10% moved down, 10% moved up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely interesting numbers. Um, so, but does like, what would be the best course of action for financial planners um, viewing that kind of data um, for 20, uh, like course of action for financial planners in 2022, uh, the year to come? Uh, this is not just financial planners. I think uh, because the government has put in a lot of efforts to help uh, the the those who have fallen into the uh, below income group, the lower income group. So uh, they are working very hard to help them. Uh, planners' role is to help the M forty to stay and grow, and perhaps those on the upper of the lower income group to move up to move back up and climb back up and put them back into the medium income group uh, level. This would be something that we will need to do moving forward. Um, as jobs, uh, job opportunities open, people start getting jobs. And th- this this is something uh, which I have seen and I think perhaps you might have seen and so does other financial planners. For the uh, hardcore poor, 
if you want to help them get out of poverty, uh, it's not giving them money or teaching them financial literacy. You need to first tweak their mindset about money first. Then only you give them financial literacy, then it works. Whereas if you get people who come from a medium income group and they drop into the lower income group, it's, it's easier to help them to move up because they've been there, they know. And if they are, and they if they want to move back up again, they will they will take every opportunity that you can offer them in terms of um, uh, financial literacy, in terms of um, financial aid, uh, any help to move back up again, and it's easier. We've seen it during uh, normal time before pandemic, and I think with the pandemic, I I see people making a lot of effort to see how they can get back onto on track again and this is where planners play a role (laughs) Uh, yes yes so how can like i guess because it's very interesting to see that the financial planners are getting more recognized for the work that they do and for the um opportunities that they can give um, for their clients so i guess um before we end the show lynette what would be your um, what would be your advice for financial planners who are listening, especially the financial planners in Malaysia who are listening right now to the show? Well, um, my my message, my power message for the end of the week as well as for this podcast will be uh, stay true to yourself. Integrity as well as best practices is what you need to arm yourself to help your clients. And they need you more now than ever. It's a sunrise industry. Stay put and get more people to join you to become financial planners. All right. Thanks so much, Lynette. Yes, definitely. I agree with your message. Um, and I love that you uh, always instill professionalism and ethics um, to financial planners because it is important for more people to believe in the industry as well. So thank you so much for coming into the show and for giving um, your good news and very hopeful news to to the industry and helping more people become financially illiterate and get their money together um, so that we can all succeed. So thank you so much. And, And oh, before we end, where can people reach you if they want to get to know you more, if they want to um, have a conversation with you? I have a Facebook. Mm-hmm. Just type in Linvest, L-I-N-V-E-S-T, one word, Linvest Leonard, L-I-N-N-E-T. All right, wonderful. I will add that to the description of this podcast or the show notes. Um, and yes, so if you want to reach Lynette, if you have a question for her, especially on the financial planning side in Malaysia, please um, get in touch with her. And again, Lynette, thank you so much for coming into the show. Have a good one. Thank you. Uh, wonderful weekend to all and thank you, Gwen. Bye.